Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. and welcome back to this latest episode of the Rumors Are True podcast. My name is Jeremy. Today, I welcome Jimmy Reeves. Uh, Jimmy, you might know from the bands Spitfire, Sundrug, Savio, and Rome. Uh, Jimmy and I have an awesome conversation about the beginnings of Spitfire and the record The Dead Next Door and their time on Solid State, as well as Sundrug um, and Mind Over Matter Records. Um, awesome conversation about uh, the lost record Savio uh, with uh, Jeremy Griffith and Jared, uh, Jared Bowser. So uh, hope you enjoy this conversation with Jimmy Reeves. Jimmy Reeves, what is up? Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good to see you, Jeremy. Yeah, man. How you been? What, what's new with you? Yeah, things are good. Uh, living in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, like the v- Norfolk, Virginia Beach area, and uh, I have a music company called Tennessee Electric Music, um, and I do some composing work, and uh, and also I do um, work as an art director in advertising. That's really cool. How did you get involved with the Tennessee Electric? Um, actually, I mean, I know we're gonna kind of get to bands and stuff in a, in a minute, but. Uh, I was in a band with Dennis Culp, and he he was a, a partner uh, in a music house, or still is a partner in a music house called Singing Serpent. Yes. And when I lived in in, uh, in New York, he was gracious enough to let me freelance for those guys, and and yeah, that's how I got my kind of got my foot in the door with that kind of work. That's awesome. Do you love it? Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, I just love you know audio production. So sure. Uh, always trying to trying to you know any chance i get to work on it you know sure jumping at it so yeah that's awesome i wish i would have known you were in norfolk because i was there about a year and a half ago oh really for work and i don't know why i thought you lived in new york still i would have hit you up but i literally was up there for a week and i loved it we went to what's the what's that hotel virginia beach that's like really nice it has got a, a distillery below it uh Dumb. It's called uh, the Hunt Room. I don't something like that. Oh, the Cavalier. Yeah, the Cavalier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I went there. It was awesome. Nice. And then we went to uh, Mr. Shawarma <laughs> in Norfolk, and it was just amazing. Yeah. I know. We went, that whole area was great. So we had yeah. a blast there. Uh, but yeah, now that I know that, if I ever go back, I'll let you know. So. 
Cool, man. Well, let's uh, let's talk about when we first met. Um, I'm glad we talked about this earlier because we both were off. But I was, you know, living in Springfield, Missouri, and going to Evangel University of Assembly of God College, and I was started a little crappy hardcore band with some friends, and we were having a practice, and they were like, "Jimmy Reeves from Spitfire is coming to our practice," and. We heightened the intensity, and it got worse and worse and worse. And I don't remember specifically what you said, but I do remember you being like, okay, all right, guys. Oh, <laughs> man, was, no, like no, no, you did the right thing because we were terrible. I don't like, I think I wound up like quitting like a month later because I moved back or whatever, but it was ridiculous and stupid. But it was just funny because to us, it was like, Jimmy from Spitfire. It's, you know, it was like bizarro. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know you don't remember that, but uh, I know we legitimately met in New York City uh, when I was on tour with Sun Bears, and you guys played with uh, your current band at the time, Rome. Right. And yeah, I can't. We were talking about what venue it was. It was somewhere in Williamsburg, and yeah, that was an awesome show. Now that I now that you've rejogged my memory, I re- remember that, and it was it's cool to really get to know you and meet you and talk to you and actually, uh, you know, not have you know not be unknown at that point so yeah yeah i felt like we um i'd always heard your name and we had a lot of mutual mutual friends so it was it was awesome to to meet up yeah man that's awesome cool dude well let's talk about you growing up influences bands records kind of how was it for jimmy uh growing up into music yeah, so um, I am a Navy kid. Uh, you know, grew up. My dad was a career uh, Navy guy, and uh, so we moved a lot. Um, and hang on, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, man. Um, he's sick too, so just. Oh, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, so we moved around a lot, and. Um, oh. oh. Can you can you give me one second, Jay? Yeah, man, no worries. No can you, worries. You can watch your show. Why? Because he's recording this, and if you're coughing through it, and since you're not feeling good, it's gonna it'll mess up the call that he's recording. Okay. Can you say hi, Jeremy? Hi, buddy. This is Axel. Axel, I love that name. So cool. Thanks, man. I hope you feel better, buddy. All right. Can you can you go upstairs? No. No. <laughs> Dude, no um, worries. So, what was I saying? Right. So we moved around a ton, and uh, my my dad is uh, loves to sing and and you know play records and stuff. So that was my kind of first exposure to music, just him being a music lover. Um, but I didn't really get into playing music actually until Spitfire started. Really? Yeah. What? Uh, what? So, you obviously had music around. What were some of the earliest memories of the of the music that you gravitated to in in the home, and um, what were some of the bands that you just, you know, rocked your world? I guess. Yeah. So I mean, it would have been like the Eagles, you know, the Beatles, uh, Fleetwood Mac. You know, yeah. those were kind of the the classic. <laughs> the classic stuff my dad loved, um, and then some other terrible stuff, you know, <laughs> that <laughs> I won't I won't mention by name. But um, yeah, but again, it wasn't the light bulb really didn't turn on for me. Sure, totally later on at that point, you know, I mean, like it was fun. You know, we, me and my sisters would make up 
silly dances to like Elton John songs and stuff. But, um, but as far as like, um, playing music or thinking about it beyond, beyond that, it, it really didn't switch on for me until Spitfire. When did you, did you start playing bass primarily for Spitfire or did you, so how did you get involved in, in like, when did that start to, I guess, materialize? So, uh, I met Chris and Matt, um, Chris, Matt and I were the kind of the founding members of Spitfire. And I met those guys maybe when I was 10 years old and my family moved to, to Virginia beach. Then we moved away and then moved back. And, um, and so they were just like, they were my kind of two best friends in the area. And, uh, we, we all went to church together and, uh, and they, they were like, you know, light years ahead of me as far as like learning instruments and, and, and <clears throat> music taste and music and sure. bands and all of it. And so I just, I kind of, I think about it a lot cause I got really fortunate, um, to be friends with those guys and have them ask me to be, to be in the band. Cause, um, you know, it could have been two guys who were really bad at their instruments and <laughs> <laughs> who were into bad music, but yeah. So um, I started playing bass to like join the band, you know, I, like I just kind of figured it out. Matt taught me how to That's play. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. What's uh, at that time, what were you guys listening to musically? Um, what were obviously the influences that came out with Spitfire were all over the place, I feel like in a, in a good way. Um, so we had a pretty, a pretty great kind of local, um, like punk and hardcore music scene around here at that time. Um, and so there were, there were obviously like the local bands around here that were, um, you know, that, that we looked up to that were, um, really inspiring. But then we were also, you know, uh, eating up all the early like tooth and nail records, you know, loved all that stuff. loved Blenderhead. Um, and, uh, I mean, just everything that, that was coming out on the label at that point, we were just like after it. Yeah. Um, Living Sacrifice, I know was um, something that Matt really loved and was inspired by those early Living Sacrifice records. Great records. Um, Tourniquet, we all loved Tourniquet. Um, and then really like the, a lot of the, like the kind of straight edge hardcore and hardcore music at the time, you know, whether it was like Dead Guy, all the kind of the victory stuff, Dead Guy. Yeah. Um, we love Dillinger Escape Plan. When we heard that, we were just like, you know, yeah, bonkers. just like everybody else, mind, <laughs> mind blown. Um, and Coalesce. Coalesce was definitely a big. Absolutely. I'd say Dead Guy and Coalesce were probably two two really kind of important influences. Yeah. What, um, I'm going to step back just a little bit. What was the first hardcore show or the first metal show uh, when you were kind of you know, like you said, Spitfire, you, you came friends and want, wanted to be in this band. What were the, what was a show or, or thing that made you just go, whoa, this is what I want to do? I remember uh, we used to have a little club um, here. It's gone now. Um, down at the oceanfront in Virginia Beach. Java? or uh... No, it's called the Fire Escape. Fire Escape, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so it was. I would have to like beg my parents to, to go to anything there. 
Um, and cause it, you know, the shows would be late and there's like, you know, vagrants walking around, you know, <laughs> it's like, please, you know, but I think like, uh, I remember hearing, I didn't get to go, but I remember hearing like stories of like the prayer chain playing and like, oh, it was on the second floor and they were like the ceiling, the floor was like bending cause <laughs> it was in this like old building. But, um, I mentioned that because I saw, uh, strong arm there oh, and man. that was kind of the first like hardcore show that like really made a huge impression on me um as far as being a fan and um yeah just lo- i had i had the you know the album before the before they came and played and so i knew all the music and um i remember that one really really vividly um i still love that first that first oh yeah yeah absolutely atonement is that what it's called yeah atonement and even advent's ridiculous like they're just yeah no it's awesome yeah, they just were on another level, like really. Um, so Spitfire starts to begin. How long did you guys? Oh, so I guess you started playing. You learning the bass. Chris's and Matt's, excuse me, uh, teaching you the the bass. Yeah. How long you guys were you uh, a band and playing shows for a while before uh, Tooth and Nail Solid State started to come in the picture? Oh, definitely. Um, we played, you know, a lot, as many local shows as we could get on, you know, we were, we were just trying to, to play with, play whenever we could and as much as we could. Um, we did, we kind of booked our own little tour, um, which is funny now being, being this age and kind of looking back and thinking about <laughs> letting, letting my kid, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> take, like we took Chris's dad's car and pulled a trailer and, you know, left town and, Wow. 17 16 17 so um yeah so we um we um booked a show when i say we uh, matt uh, matt beck was like kind of um pushing to to book living sacrifice oh wow. he's just he was always a huge fan um and so we booked living sacrifice and zayo and us in this like little storefront church wow and so that was um, that was our introduction to meeting the guys in Zayo, and uh, ultimately that was sort of through through those relationships with those guys and some other people. But but I would I would attribute a lot of like our our um, access to to the like wider tooth and nail world through like through meeting uh, Zayo and, and connecting with Jesse. That's awesome. Jesse is an awesome dude. Yeah. He's um, great. Yeah, yeah. He's going to hopefully come on soon, so that would be, nice. be cool. Yeah, man. Um, so Tooth & Nail contacts you? Did they just email you, cold call oh. you? How, how, did, how did that thing happen? No, so we um, – when I mean, again, when I say we, it's like I wasn't really doing a lot of the booking or the – I'm a, you know, I think Chris and Matt were kind of leading the charge with that, and sure. I was happy to – happy to like just hang out <laughs> to be yeah to get to do it with them so um i think chris you know chris really um became buds with jesse um and and we you know uh, got on got on a, a tour with them so we were gonna like we booked a tour with them we were gonna uh, essentially share a van and uh and i think we did some shows with training for utopia like oh, wow. put their first ep out um, but the van exploded and we only got a couple shows into the tours and before, the, <laughs> wow, before the van died. So, um, you know, that was a, that was a huge bummer, but, um, yeah, sorry, I forgot. 
No, that's fine. Uh, just uh, tooth and nail contacting you guys. How? So I know you said you weren't fully involved in it, but did it happen pretty quick, or was it something that like was that the goal? Were you like we have to sign to this label, or was there any other labels looking at you guys, or was it just kind of? I think for us that was the goal, just because we grew up kind of idolizing those those early tooth and nail bands, um, and we loved Zayo. We loved kind of. We love strong arm, you know, so it was, we saw ourselves, um, and we were very much like, we started as like a quote unquote Christian band, you know, that, sure. that became really, uh, you know, a title you didn't really want to associate sure. with later on, but you know, for all intents and purposes at that time, like that was, so we saw, we saw like solid state or tooth and nail at the time, like as like the ideal place that we wanted to end up. But you know, we um, we were all still in high school when we when we first recorded the Dead Next Door. I think we were finishing, or maybe we were first year of, of college. So we we were just we weren't full time. We weren't. Um, yeah. We, we weren't. Uh, we weren't able to tour. Like, I got you. I got you. So that was a real that was a real kind of hiccup um, with trying to you know get get any more interest, but. No, it was really through Zayo. Like we went and we played Cornerstone, and we asked, we asked those guys like, "Hey, can we can we hop on and like play two songs before your set?" Wow. Because we knew Brandon Ebel was going to be there to take pictures, and uh, and it was like a way to get in front of him. Yeah, that's <laughs> smart, man. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. You could still. It's funny because there's video of I've seen some video of Zayo's set um, from that from that that night circle around the internet this year and you can see me and Matt kind of like on stage right there. Like we, you know, That's when awesome. we finished, we just like went side stage and watched their show, which was incredible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They were nuts at their peak, man. They were. Um, okay. So you signed a tooth and nail and you just mentioned you were young, so you didn't have to have parents sign a contract or anything, or were you guys adults at that uh, point? Then obviously we didn't have to have parents sign, but we, you know, we, we got it was like a 30 some pay i don't remember it was a really long contract and you know anybody yeah, you're just like signing. anybody we look at it was like do, do not sign this you know <laughs> the way we look at it was like okay we can we can not sign this because the terms are bad and no sure. one will ever hear about this band yeah which was you know which is probably a little melodramatic at the time but you know we saw it as like this is our this is our one chance for to like do anything absolutely so you know we went for it Absolutely. I, I, I would have done the same thing. So uh, how long after signing with Tooth & Nail did you start to work on The Den Next Door? Let, let's talk about that record and kind of uh, how that materialized, and, and we'll go from there. I would say probably at least half of it. At least half of it was already already like written in, what, in kind of the songs that we would play at, show, excuse me, at shows. Um, and then, you know, some you know a couple of the songs were were like a few of the first songs that we wrote as a band um and then maybe one or two weren't finished even when we got to the studio we had to kind of finish them there um so um how was the recording of that do you remember any thoughts any memories um yeah, it was great so we were huge fans of steve evitts yeah he, he had recorded like some of our favorite albums and uh totally and so it was like, you know, it was kind of a dream scenario for us, um, and especially for Chris, because Chris was such a—he was like a massive um, dead, a dead guy fan, and, and yeah. with Steve, and 
And so, you know, we were just like, just amped to get to go and do it. And, Absolutely. Was, it, was that your prim- primary choice, Steve Evitz, or was there a couple other ones, or were you yeah. just like, we well, want him? I think, you know, I think I, I think we were maybe considering Barry Pointer. Yeah. Um, you know, because he had done Zayo, I think yeah. it was Zayo, um, album. But, you know, to to get a chance to go up to Jersey and work with Steve was just like, that was always going to be our first choice. Absolutely. He's a monster. Um yeah, it was a great experience, man. You know, I think we we had a really small budget, so I think we had six days to do it or something. And uh, and Steve had like been up all night the night before mixing another album, <laughs> like oh the day we God. started. So he's just like, you know, he was he was tired. And uh, you know, but we just we just had a great time. We were still learning. We were learning about the studio. We were learning, um, you know, how to make an album essentially. Yeah. Uh, or record an album while we were doing it and uh, uh, we had Jesse Jesse Smith from Zaya was there um, to, oh, nice. help, to help produce um, so we had him hanging and uh, yeah man that's awesome um, did, so when you got kind of the record back and are you you know obviously wrote you said half of it was already written and you wrote the, the rest in the studio when you got the record back what were your thoughts? How did how did, did were you just freaking were you like this rips or like were you? Uh, I just want to be curious what you guys thought. Yeah, I mean, I think we were just like over the moon, you know, just excited that like it, we had made it happen and it was real and, um, you know, we wanted to do as much with it as we could and as much as like our schedules would allow us to sure. do to do uh, to do the band we wanted to so. Yeah, we you know we were just we loved the um, this is a funny story. Uh, so um, part of part of our agreement with Tooth and Nail was, I and I'm kind of speaking secondhand, so I mean, I don't you know this is like hearsay for me, but sure, yeah. um, just as a caveat. <laughs> but we had heard that like part of part of uh, the deal was like he had asked. Um, uh, Don and Ryan, um, if they would do the artwork for the album, oh, okay. um, for cheap on the cheap, you know, cause <clears throat> I don't think, I don't, you know, I don't think Brandon had, had any illusions about how much money the, the record was going to bring back in his pocket. So sure. it was, uh, yeah. So anyway, so, so we were sending Don ideas like, Hey, you know, like, you know, we love, we love these albums, artwork, we love. And so I had sent him, uh, as a joke, I sent him a picture that I cut out of our local newspaper. And it was a construction worker who had been shot in the head with a nail gun. So, the like, literally the x-ray was like, this guy had, like, taken a nail into the head on the job site. Whoa. <laughs> and it was like, you know, it was just a joke. Like, hey, look at this. This is insane. And he ended up using that on the cover. Wow. That's so cool. You know, if that guy's out there somewhere... You know, <laughs> thanks. Your <you're> piece of <laughs> art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. We were, we were super stoked on on the art that Don did. Yeah. He, so when we got the thing in our hands, man, we were just we were excited. Um. So record comes out. Well, just out of curiosity, how did Steve Evitz feel about the record? I, that's another one I was curious. Was he stoked on it? Yeah, I think he was. I think you know he was like I said, he was pretty fried. He, oh, yeah. he just was like balls to the wall, like you know recording nonstop, and um you know uh if you know i don't know if you've ever met matt but matt's a real character and we yeah you know, we're all we're all like joking around all the time so 
you know, I think he, I think he got a kick out of, you know, there was a few times, a few things where we were, like I said, we were, you know, we were learning how to, to make records and, and be in the studio. And there was, sure. there was a few things that we were unprepared. Like, yeah. Was it a learning curve? Or, and just but, something that... I mean, I think we brought a guitar that was, was broken and like split, like fretboard was like splitting away from, from the neck and we had to go get that repaired during the, during the session. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, I, I think he was, um, patient with us. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, I, I get it. And it, I think that the record turned out great. I think it's memorable for me personally. I, I remember first hearing it and being like, holy crap, this is like coalesce and converge and dead guy and all these bad, like you can hear the influences a mile away and, and, in you know, not in a rip off way, but just a very respectful, like these are our influences. And so, man, as a fan, I was like floored by that record. I, yeah, so, yeah, man, it was, dude, it's still to this day, one of those records I feel like just under the radar, like a solid state lore and all that whole world. It's just, it's so yeah. good. So good. Um, Touring wise, after this record, did you? I know you said you guys were kind of strapped on the touring, but did you wind up getting to go? I think I saw you guys at Cornerstone. I want to say what year? What year did Dead Next Door come out? Was it ninety nine? Okay, cool. I saw you in two thousand then at Cornerstone for sure. Yeah, I think it was ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Like we toured in the summers, you know, because we were um, all of us were in college at the time. Um, so, you know, we couldn't commit to any, anything more than that. Sure. Um, you know, we would try to do stuff over like Christmas break and stuff, but, um, yeah. So for, for the most part, it was whatever we could, whatever we could do in the summer. I mean, we had some, we had some bad touring experiences, you know, as like, I'm sure so many young bands sure. at the time, but <clears throat> we booked one tour with. Uh, I, don't, I remember us being really excited because I think it was somebody who was a, a feel associated with Relapse Records. Oh, nice! Was helping us book this tour, and we were like super pumped, you know. And um, I don't, I don't remember who it was, and I wouldn't say anyway. But he, um, we get, we start, you know, we we start heading out. A couple of the shows are a little bit weird. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think we were in Kansas, and the show was like. There were just some like signs that were like, you know, this isn't gonna go right. Well, yeah, something didn't quite feel right. Like it didn't feel like there was any promotion happening, and so we get to Salt Lake City, and uh, you know, that's pretty far from from Virginia Beach. So yeah, <laughs> we're like, we're out there, and uh, and the venue that we're supposed to play, I think, had Weezer on the marquee, and we're like, huh. Huh. I don't think we're opening for Weezer today. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so at that point, man, this is, it was just, you know, we're in a van with like middle of summer, like no AC, just like sweating our lives away. And uh, and we're like, okay, like we had to make a decision because the next show was supposed to be in California. And, uh, and we had to call it because it was like, what if we drive to California and there's no and show? No one's there. Wow. Wow. So we, we drove straight home from Salt Lake City. Um, Unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, we got to Arkansas. We were out of money. And we had a, we had some check. I don't know if it was from Cornerstone or what that we, 
they had made out they had made out to the band but there was no band account oh so my god like, and we hadn't showered or anything you know so we just looked like vagrants and <laughs> we had to forge the check and like whoever looked like the least bad and least sweaty went into the bank and like <laughs> cashed the check oh my god <laughs> But yeah, we, I mean, we, I mean, I hate to say like, oh, the, you know, it was cursed, but it was like every time we felt we got kind of like some momentum with Spitfire, it, it kind of like, it felt like it got kind of cut off at the knees, you know, for whatever reason. So, yeah. Were you, were you bummed on that? Did it bum you out or were you just like, oh, definitely, dude. The, the first, like I mentioned earlier, the tour we were supposed to do with Zaya was like, I think it was, you know, 15 20 30 dates i don't know it was a big it was like a long tour a huge tour yeah three or four shows in their van died and the whole thing was just over Unbelievable. <laughs> you know so that was like for us at the time that was like crushing you know it was like did you um get to open for any cool bands when you were at home or anything or like any yeah, national yeah. bands or we played with a lot of great bands um you know i won't rem- i won't remember enough of them to like call them out but like i said like um, you know, we had some great local bands. So one band we we played with a lot locally was called Jesuit. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember them. Yeah, and they were just badass. You know, yeah. those guys were just they were like people we look up looked up to. And um, you know, Nate Newton was in that band. He's gone on. Yeah, and uh, he's on Converge. Yeah, um, you know, so those guys. You know, I'm sure we were kind of like the dorky Christian kids, like buzzing around the shows and stuff. But you know, we. We loved we loved what they were doing. Um, our very first show, we opened for a California band called Eleven Thirty Four. I don't know if you remember that band. I don't think so. Um, and that was incredible. That was like <laughs> a really fun show. It was sold out. Like wow, people going crazy. You know, so we're like, man, being in a band is really fun. And then our our next show, we almost broke up. Our second show because it was oh, so gosh. bad. That's hilarious. <laughs> But, um, you know, Damnation AD we played with. Um, man, there's like too many. I can, like I said, Did you get Price and Zayo. And, when you had put your record out and playing with these bands, did they respect you And when you guys played? Or were they like, you know, because you said, oh, we're like, we're the Christian kids. When they saw you play and heard your record, were they like, whoa? We got, awesome. like, I would say that because, like, you know, I mentioned earlier, like, we were in earnest, like, you know, young Christian kids sure. who were you know, trying to proselytize, you know, in, in whatever subtle way we could at, at, yeah. <laughs> at our course shows. And so, you know, it's, uh, I get, you know, I get now how it's like, it's a, it, it was a tough room and, and it was a little bit, some of it was us embarrassing ourselves because we weren't, you know, we weren't really ready to do that. And some of it was just like true to who we, who we were at the time. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not really apologetic about that it's just sure it made for a little bit of awkwardness because so much of so much of like punk and hardcore is like anti-establishment anti you know religion and yeah you know so we weren't really like you know falling in line with <laughs> i know i get it i get it <laughs> with that totally so um so you know i think in regards to that like i think the music stood on its own right like yeah absolutely um I really will always feel like Matt was a, a real genius, like, you know, Savant. Um, I think, you know, he just uh, is a badass. Yeah, he uh, really is. And uh, and so, yeah, man, we kind of like had to let let the music do the talking and, and it made it, it kind of made a way for us. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, so how long after Dead Next Door and, of course, your horror tour stories, what made you kind of bow out? I, I know you were only on, the, on that first record, so what, what kind of led to that? Well, um, we didn't, like I said, we didn't get to do much. I think I remember we got to play some really fun festival shows. Um, there used to be a, a fest called, um, I think they might still be doing it. Shit, I just forgot the name of it. It's at James Madison University. It's called Macrock. That's what it is. Oh, Mac, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so while we were finishing school, we got to do, we did Macrock a couple years. And then we did like what was supposed to be our official like last show at Macrock. Um, and we were kind of like putting, putting the bed, putting the band to bed for a while. Um, and then, um, you know, fast forward, I'm trying to remember the timeline, but I, I, I went to school in Florida. So I was like away in the other guys. Where were you at in Florida? St. Augustine. I went oh, to, dude. Yeah. I went dude. to Flagler. Oh, is that how you met Jeremy? Yep. Okay. Okay. But I didn't meet him. He wasn't in St. Augustine yet when I was in school there. Okay. Um, I mean, you went to Flagler then? I did, yeah. Dude, I didn't know that. That's so cool. I love St. Augustine. Dude, it's amazing. It's a great, great little town. Um, yeah, so those, those guys are still in Virginia, and I would fly up and like practice for two days, and then we, you know, go, yeah. and, like, go do, go do Mac Rock or whatever. And, um, so the last thing, uh, like we did one EP, it was called the Slideshow Whiplash EP. So I flew up, you know, to DC. Chris was going to George Mason in DC, um, and we recorded like for two, three days. And, um, and then, uh, I'm just like jog my memory. I had, when I finished Flagler, I moved back to Virginia, um, for about a year or so. Um, and during that time we started playing again and we were doing the demos for what became self-help. Okay. So we recorded three songs and I think the only one that made it to the album was called Ohm Driver. It's like one of the last songs on self-help, mm-hmm. which is a rad song. It's awesome. But, um, so I did, I did the demos for that. Um, and, uh, and then I moved to Florida again. I moved back to St. Augustine, um, because, uh, of a relationship and a friend of mine, Jeremy Dean. I don't know if you've ever met Jeremy Dean. I don't think I did. Um, he was making a documentary documentary film called dare not walk alone. Okay. Um, and so I really wanted to be a part of that. So I did some like creative direction and, and uh, okay. design for that film. So I moved back down there and that's, actually, that's, I moved into a little parsonage house with Jeremy Dean and Jeremy Griffith. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So that's kind of where you bowed out and how was that? Was it, Hey, I'm out guys. Or was it yeah. full or they were like, all right, we're, we're going to continue without you. How? Oh no, totally. Yeah. Like they, you know, those guys are, there was no hard feelings at all. There was no hard feelings at all. And, and when they finished self-help, um, I was just so proud of it. Like I, I just thought, yeah. I thought it was it's a awesome. great record. It's a great record. So, Saint Saint Augustine, you're down here, down here, down. I say here because I'm 30 minutes away from it. Um, Florida, you met Jeremy Griffith, amazing, love him. He's incredible, funny, crazy, love him, uh, every bit of about him. 
Um, did you guys, is that kind of how Savio started or, uh, cause, and then obviously Jared Bowser was, you know, in Jacksonville. Is that kind of how that materialized or were you, did you play any other bands with Jeremy at the time? No, that was like definitely later on. So yeah, like I had kind of, um, like I said, it was, I moved back to Florida, um, after a relationship and then really wanted to be a part of Jeremy Dean's film. And, um, and, and I was also wanting to kind of, um, work on some solo stuff yeah and it was my first kind of chance to start trying to write my own songs because really with my whole experience with spitfire was um you know just supporting kind of the creativity of matt and chris together and sure and trying you know contributing where i could but I, I wasn't by any means like a lead writer or anything so um you know it was a it was an exciting time for me to start kind of writing my own songs and thinking about music and but when i first moved to florida jeremy was jeremy griffith sorry was still um touring with moments and grace yeah yeah, yeah. so he was kind of in and out i got you i got you, I got you. did you you know jake brown right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I see him all the time we, we yeah, talk Jake's all the time. A great dude. dude he's yeah. awesome amazing sweet so going to school writing solo stuff kind of what's the next uh steps uh that kind of led you uh, you know after that um so gosh i'm trying to remember yeah like we didn't savio was definitely was not in that era we we were really just focused on the film as jeremy griffith did the music for dare not walk alone okay um and and that was also kind of a key thing for me because when he quit touring with moments and grace um that there that the band kind of ended at that point he moved back to florida and uh and that was my first experience uh getting into like a studio because he had his own kind of little home studio. Yeah. Um, and so he went away, you know, he would leave for a few days and let me kind of jump into his studio and, and get into pro tools and start messing yeah. with stuff. And, um, so that was like a key kind of moment for me. But, um, from there I, I left Florida again, um, and moved to Virginia for about nine months and to get ready to move to New York. Um, yeah. it's my, <clears throat> my ex wife was, moving to new york to study to be um uh, to go to graduate school yeah. yeah and so i was like well gotta move to new york uh at the time because we you know we were um uh you know still still dating and stuff so sure yeah, man so then fast forward to new york and that's that's where um i started uh rome Rome. Okay. Let's talk about Rome for a little bit. What, uh, and you said Dennis from five iron frenzy was in it. Jeremy Griffith played drums and who else played in that band? Uh, so Rome started with me, uh, a guy named Paolo Barrett and a guy named Josh Brown on drums. And, uh, and then later, um, soon after that, uh, Dennis Culp joined the band. So that was sort of like the four of us kind of, um, started, Rome, and at the time, we just started writing songs and playing around the city, um, and then uh, decided to go and record an EP with Jeremy Griffith. Yeah, um, we all, we, you know, we <clears throat> rode down to Atlanta from from the city and and uh, recorded an EP with with Jer there, and had a great time. It was awesome. That's awesome. Uh, did you ever get to release that on anything? I, mean, I, I know you guys probably had CDs at the time. We, but... CDs, yeah, just CDs and, and uh, like Apple Music, you know. Yeah. Um, that was only it was kind of it was just just we were just able to do that EP, 
unfortunately. So yeah, no, but I, yeah, that's great. Man. Yeah, was, I remember, uh, now that you, you reminded me of that, I was like, oh yeah, I remember, I totally remember that. Now I loved your sound for sure. It was awesome. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, it was, it was the first kind of thing that I had led or whatever, and um, and then later on, Jeremy Griffith moved up to New York City and uh, yeah, and worked and, with Dennis, right? You know, Yep. And yep. so he and Dennis yep. connected and he, you know, he was working with the Singing Serpent guys a lot. And we were all up in, um, in their studio on Mercer street, um, which was super fun. You know, that was, yeah, that, like was a, a, that was an awesome place. place. <laughs> totally amazing spot. Sweet. So Rome kind of dissolves. You obviously, did you wind up just moving back to Virginia? Is that kind of how that materialized? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I just, uh, my marriage ended and, uh, I wanted, I was just, I'd been in New York about nine years and I was kind of run down from it. You know, sure. a lot of people experience that with the city. It's, it's a very, it's a very uh, intense place. So I, uh, I wanted something different. I kind of wanted just a change of pace and my parents and my sisters all lived in the Norfolk, Virginia beach area. So I just felt like, um, yeah, and like you know, I wanted a chance to to uh, to get to be around them and be be around my family, and um, and also was really interested in in uh, starting a new music project and trying to get Chris Rains involved. Yeah, is that what led to Sundog, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's, yeah, let's talk about that. So I started like demoing for Sundrug in New York, um, and uh, when I was still at Singing Serpent. Um, in that Mercer Street studio, and uh, and I wrote and recorded like uh, the, the first song in the album, which is called um, White Ladders. There, um, demoed basically the first like I would say like five, six songs from the album, um, and then I would like bust down <laughs> from the city to to Virginia Beach because you know it's cheap and yeah, and and we started practicing together and talking about doing a band and. Uh, with Chris and uh, Clint Kessler and Travis Kessler, who were kind of like the early, early lineup of Sundrug. So nice, nice. Um, how did uh, Mind Over Matter Records come into the, into the picture? Um, how long were you guys? I guess when you started writing this, uh, becoming a band, like how long after that did that kind of materialize? And you know, let's talk about the record after that. Yeah. So it took. I mean maybe after i had moved back to the area um chris and i spent maybe six months finally like finishing um the like demoing the the album and then essentially um you know i had collected enough of my own recording gear that i recorded um you know 90 percent of the album myself and uh and then we went, or, or no, Jeremy actually, Griffith actually came up to Virginia and recorded the drums for us nice. um, at a little studio here that that's closed now. But yeah, so he came up, did the drums, um, and then we went down to Florida to his studio in uh, in Fort Walton and mixed the record. Um, and once we got to that point, um, we were just excited about yeah. you know about where it was at and like what it sounded like, and we're just started sending it around, but then it, it was kind of the same story with labels and interests, um, which was, which was, we couldn't commit to any kind of like serious touring. So, sure. you know, once that card's out on the table, a lot of the conversations or interests 
Not that no, not that we had people were banging down our doors. I'm just sure. <laughs> I want to say. No, I get it. I get it. <clears throat> How did but you feel about the record though? Were you just pumped on it? Or were you? I mean, I felt like it deserved to to be heard. You know, I wanted to put it out. I wanted to yeah. like for it to be properly released and um and yeah, it was just really it was really cathartic experience for me you know like a lot of the the material um you know was really personal to me and sure um and i was just super proud of of you know producing it and and writing it and and what chris and i you know eventually finished was was uh something i'm still proud of you know so it was a real like you know I don't know. It was, a, it was something that I'll always be proud of, I guess. That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I know you say you didn't get to tour much, but what kind of shows did you, I mean, did you did get to tour at all or like what kind of shows were those like? Um, we did one tour, um, you know, we would do like weekends and stuff, um, you know, um, but I don't want to jump over or skip over mind over matter. So eventually oh, yeah. through, through, you know, sending the record to everybody we knew, you know, and everyone Chris had, had, had kind of had contact with through Norma Jean. Like we <clears throat> somehow got in contact with, with Austin for mind over matter. And, you know, he was just, you know, excited to, to, you know, do something with us. So it was a, like a really good fit where it wasn't, there was no huge obligation on either side. And, um, and he was super pumped on it. So yeah. And Austin is, um, I don't know how familiar you are with his label, but he, um, he kind of goes the extra mile with the packaging and totally the attention. Like, you know, he'll silk screen like the boxes that the vinyl, that's so cool. in, which is, you know, just like those extra little, details. little touch. Yeah. That's so great. Chris and I like have always loved. So that's cool. I think Jesse's on that label too. Jesse Smith is, um, right. Serp, what is it called? Serpent slave, slave something. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's, Dude, that's so cool. I, I've always liked Mind Over Matter. I thought they've, like you said, it's kind of the little details. And actually, that's one of the things about Tooth and Nail originally I liked is I always liked the artwork. I always liked, you know, kind of how they, man, they made their bands look. They 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 kind of went the extra mile in that realm. So that's cool. That's awesome. You got to work with two labels that really, you know, kind of completed the band in a way and kind of put you guys in a position to have a beautiful product. You know, that's really that's really awesome. Um. So I want to go back just a little bit and let's talk about the Savio record because um, Jared, I, I've heard it. Obviously, it's fantastic. Jared Bowser loves it, talked about it uh, on his episode. What can you tell me about that record? I, I know it's never seen a lot of day right now, but, you know, just let's talk about that record and kind of what your input was with that and how, how that was for you. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Jeremy had kind of the late demos from – um from the end from the end of moments and grace some some material that kind of like he had been writing for like a second moments and grace lp um and when i heard it you know i was just like you got to do something with this yeah and, and uh and so you know it was a slow process of just you know he was, st I think he was living in Atlanta, you know, and we would be back and forth kind of just talking about it and sending ideas and, um, and eventually decided to kind of, you know, go ahead and like, you know, record, record an album. So we went to, um, his, uh, his family's cabin in the North Georgia mountains. Uh, and Jared came and then also Jonathan Berlin. Yeah. Um, came Jonathan's and great. 
Jonathan's, yeah, he's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you played bass on that, or is that all you played on it, or what I else? played a little bit of guitar, a little bit of bass, um, and then sang some. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but a lot of it, you know, I mean, I think we tried to redo a lot of I mean, the thing about it, it was tough because Jeremy's demos were so good. Oh, I know. He's ridiculous. And so it was like, do you, you know, sometimes re-recording it was like, you sure you want me to play the guitar? <laughs> like, um, you know, but he was, he wanted it to be kind of, a, you know, a more collaborative thing, which to his credit, you know, so. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, a, we just had, we had a great time. That's yeah, awesome. That's that. really cool. Well, I hope that record sees the light of day at some point. I think uh, it's a it's a fantastic yeah. record. I mean, the there was an EP that went up like digitally. You know, I think four of the songs got released. Um, but there is a there is a whole like full length album. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, Jeremy, if you're listening, yeah. you know what to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've sent him a, I've sent him a couple of episodes, and he's like, oh, I might listen. <laughs> he's hilarious he is man yes it was a great it was fun i mean we were it was hard to to i mean everybody was living in different cities so yeah it was difficult to kind of get any momentum with that but we did a couple shows um that were really fun we played um tampa or st pete somewhere um we played orlando we did like a little run of shows in, in in florida yeah um but yeah, it was awesome. I, I love I love Jared's. He's Jared's so good. Drumming. I know. It was, I know. Yeah, it was really fun. So let me ask you this: I want to know what the what you feel like for you musically. What you is your favorite project you've worked on? And I'm not trying to pick you to pick you know between, but I'm just curious what you feel most proud of. You know, over the years. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what I'm most proud of probably is is Sundrug, you know, yeah. because it's the most, it's the most. Uh, I mean, like I have the most ownership over over that music, you know. Yeah. Um, it was, um, but of course, like being a, being a part of a, an album like The Dead yeah, Next Door, which is okay, you can have you can have that one. Yeah. Um, who knows what he's getting into? God, <laughs> it's a couple of random sticks of pasta. <laughs> um, but you know, as like as the years go have gone by, it's like I just have felt so so fortunate. Like I said earlier, you know, to to have lucked into not knowing how to play my instrument an instrument and getting to go and make the dead next door a couple of years later was was um, that's incredible really fortunate turn of events for me in life and and just knowing knowing those guys as people uh gave me a a love and uh like a curiosity and just it just like opened up the world of music to me so sure um what are what are those guys up to now i I talked to chris a while back um um, was he doing like real estate or something like that yeah chris did a few things um I think I think right now he's still doing full time real estate, you know. Um, What's Matt up to? Matt has always been kind of um, a man of many hats as far as like what he's doing for work and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah, we're not we're not in close close contact right now. So. I got you. 
I got you. Well, reason why I asked, I didn't know if there was any um, talk of maybe doing a, a a show or anything like that in the future. Is that would that be a possibility? I mean, I I, I would never rule it out completely, but um, you know that we had we had loosely talked about trying to do uh, like do a three piece set at Furnace Fest, you know? Oh, and dude! Like, and like do the Dead Next Door. Yeah. But. I just don't. I don't see. I don't know if it's gonna. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's uh. No, nothing I I want to talk about. No, I totally (laughs) understand, man. I totally understand. That's awesome, man. So tell me. Um, obviously you've got a lot going on, but what's what's the future hold for you? What what's um, you know, obviously uh, got kiddos and and a, a stepdaughter and. What, what's the future hold for you? I know you can't really see the future, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, as far as musically, um, you know, I think, I'm not sure if Sundrug will do, release anything more. Um, you know, we, we released a, an EP of two songs after the after Exit Wounds. Um, but the pandemic kind of just, like, took the sure. stone out of it. And I don't know. You know, it's like once you get a little space from things, it's it's hard to say if we'll, I don't want to rule it out, but I'm not sure. Sure. I'd say um, but I'm always writing, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping to, to, to keep getting opportunities to compose on, for advertising and for, you know, any kind of short films or film. Yeah. Um, so I'm always, always looking, um, looking for those opportunities and yeah, man, I just, I've just, any, any chance I get to be, to be doing, uh, working in audio production, I'm, I'm after, I'm after. I love that. I yeah. love that. That's so cool. It's crazy how you were talking about how you, you know, never thought about music till Spitfire, and now that's your career path. You know, it's just really cool how that uh, materialized. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's uh, I, it's it's been a fortunate turn of events, and I don't know. Eventually, um, it's difficult. But my my wife is an incredible singer and had, a, had wow. a career as a singer in her younger years. So we've talked about um, eventually recording together. But dude, do when it you have, when you have a four year old. No, I... <laughs> interrupting every and an eighteen-year-old, you know. It's, no, I get it. I it's, get uh, it. No, it's yeah, it's something that we would love to do. So I think eventually we'll we'll work, we'll either work on some of her music together or or yeah. or record a, a project together. So that'd be awesome. I'd love to hear that. That that'd be super cool. Sweet dude. Well, man, I thank you so much for coming on here, dude. I I really really appreciate it. It's good to see you and good to talk to you and catch up and. Man, I'm, I'm just really stoked for you that everything's going really well. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, it's great to talk. Absolutely. And, um, man, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right. Sounds good. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this latest episode I really appreciate your support and tuning in. Um, I'd also like to thank Jimmy Reeves. Thank you so much for your time. Awesome conversation. Awesome dude. Incredibly talented. So thank you uh, again to the listener and uh, stay tuned for all we've got coming up. Talk to you soon.